Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. I'm a Georgia Tech grad and a Louisville fan. He is Mike McDaniel. He is a Virginia Tech grad and a Notre Dame fan. Mike, first question. This is the Week 10 preview episode. Is it fair to say that this week is not about quantity, but more so about quality? Yeah, for sure. So we got a couple of big-time games this weekend that have absolute college football playoff implications. Um, Obviously, Miami-Virginia Tech with, you know, Miami entering the game undefeated, the Hokies with one loss, and you know, they would obviously need some help, but they're a team that could potentially be a dark horse in this whole thing. Clemson entering the college football playoff rankings on Tuesday night, ranked number four. NC State coming off of a lost Notre Dame last weekend. Can they find a way to play spoiler and still have a shot at winning the Atlantic Division? Uh, we'll find out with their game this weekend. Of course, Notre Dame uh, hosts Wake Forest in a very interesting matchup. Irish enter the college football playoff number three in the rankings. Uh, Wake Forest comes to town, one of the first unranked opponents Notre Dame has played in the last month or so. And Wake Forest comes in, and they're a team that could absolutely sneak up on Notre Dame. Wake Forest is a really well-coached team. And the Irish, you know, maybe in a little bit of a spot where, you know, they haven't, I mean, they've played very, very solid football last few weeks, but this is the first opponent that, you know, you can kind of look at on paper and kind of rest on your laurels a little bit if you're not careful. So I'm really interested to see how they perform this weekend as well. Uh, but first, I want to throw a little bit of a curveball. I didn't preview this. Ah, oh, so bring it on, for, bring it on, do yeah. it. Let's go. Yeah, so we didn't, we didn't prep for this at all, but what were your initial thoughts on the college football playoff rankings on Tuesday night? This is the first time we've talked since then, so, you know, we got Georgia 1, Alabama 2, uh, ND sitting at number 3, Clemson at number 4, ahead of both Ohio State and Oklahoma in the rankings so what, what were your initial thoughts on that I think a lot of people were a little bit surprised to see Clemson up there at number four ahead of those two schools from the other power five conferences yeah I, I was I don't know I, I wouldn't say that I was surprised um, I think this was kind of about the way that everybody telegraphed it to be you know on, on Sunday beforehand um, we, we talked about our rankings on the uh, week nine recap show. And, and these are obviously different than mine. I didn't have Georgia in my top four. And, and in retrospect, maybe that's fair. Maybe that's not fair. Um, it, it kind of is my personal opinion that I don't know that they can keep up what they've been doing, nor do I think that what they've been doing has um, really been any sort of challenge for them. Um, I think that their division is exceptionally weak outside of them. And I think that they're a one-dimensional team on offense. And so that's I, – I don't think that that translates for the rest of the year. I, I'm not totally sure that they're going to get by Auburn, Georgia Tech, Alabama, you know, any of – like all three of them and come through unscathed. So that was my reasoning for leaving Georgia out of the playoff uh, in my initial rankings. Now, having them number one overall in the current rankings, you know, I get it. They had the win over Notre Dame. That's probably about the best win that anybody has on the board right now. Um 
Alabama, obviously, right there. Notre Dame has been at, like outstanding outside of that one one-point loss to Georgia in Week 2. I'd be really curious to see how that game turned out if they played it now rather than then. I think both teams have, have kind of changed in the time since, um, Notre Dame especially. And then Clemson, obviously, I think uh, they had the loss – uh, against Syracuse a couple of weeks ago. But if you just look at the, the, the list of wins that they've got over Auburn and Louisville, which was, was ranked at the time, and Virginia Tech, who's now ranked, and Georgia Tech pretty convincingly, and Wake pretty convincingly, um, Clemson has a pretty solid body of work here, and they've got some, some uh, opportunity to add to it here, particularly this weekend. But um, I, I didn't have an issue with it. Um, I, I, I think that this year... This is a year of college football, Mike, which in any given year, there's going to be some uncertainty and some, uh, call it, you know, some, some parody top to bottom. But at the same time, I feel like this year, more than most, it's, it's becoming a major struggle to really separate, uh, you know, the, the eight to 12 top teams in the country. Whereas in a lot of years, it's pretty clear who the best teams are. I mean, you could sit here and look at, basically the top 25 and I don't know that there's anybody outside of like Alabama that I really feel comfortable with on a weekly basis coming away with a win. Um, we've, we've kind of seen a mixed bag from basically everybody at some point. And so, um, I, I don't think I could really complain about, you know, who gets ranked where at this point. I, I'm still very curious to see how November turns out in terms of all these teams and, uh, what they end up doing and what the final resumes look like when it really comes down to crunch time here in about a month or so. What What were your thoughts? Did you have any issues with it? Uh, not really. Uh, I think it, when we talked, I you know, I'd have to go back. I'm pretty sure when we talked the other night, I think I said that I had Wisconsin in my top four just because they were undefeated and they played in the Big Ten, even though they hadn't really played anybody yet. But then when the rankings came out and they were at nine and Miami was at ten, that didn't surprise me at all. So it's kind of funny. I had my personal top four and then I had, you know, I had seen what eventually transpired and it wasn't a huge surprise to me. Um, I was a little surprised to see Clemson at number four. I get it. Um, you know, they do have two really good wins, the Auburn win and then Virginia Tech on the road. Uh, we're going to find out a lot more about how good that Virginia Tech win is here coming up, not only this weekend, but when Virginia Tech faces Georgia Tech the following weekend, um, a week from Saturday. Uh, we'll find out a lot about the Hokies here in the next couple of weeks. So, you know, it kind of remains to be seen just how good that Clemson win is. Right now it looks great because Virginia Tech's number 13 in the college football playoff rankings, but... You know, we'll just have to see there. Um, Oklahoma obviously being ranked ahead of Ohio State. I thought that was, you know, pretty sound reasoning by the committee. You know, Oklahoma hasn't played great football over the past month. Um, they've, you know, their best football was played, quite frankly, at the beginning of the year when they beat Ohio State head-to-head -head in Columbus. Uh, since then, Oklahoma has lost to Iowa State. They've played in a couple close games, including a matchup with Baylor. Baylor's a terrible football team. Oklahoma only won that game by a touchdown. They narrowly squeaked out a victory against Kansas State. Oklahoma's got a massive matchup this weekend against Oklahoma State. College game day will be there. Um, you know, bedlam. this could be, yeah, big time bedlam. Um, and we'll see how that turns out for the Sooners. But I think for now, it's pretty intelligent of them to put them ahead of the team that they beat head to head in Ohio State's only loss of the year. Uh, but my big takeaway is, you know, at the end of the day, Clemson's two wins at this point are better than Oklahoma's top two wins, are better than Ohio State's top two wins. I mean, you look at Ohio State's schedule right now. Obviously, they beat number two Penn State last Saturday 
at home by a point. Uh, their second best win is either Army or Indiana. And then you look at Oklahoma, obviously their best win is on the road at the Horseshoe against Ohio State. But their second best win is, you know, really at this point either Kansas State or who else? I mean, Texas? Like, who who's their second best win? You know, we don't really know. So I think Clemson's top two wins, you know, trump both Oklahoma's and Ohio State's at this point. And I think that's why they have them at number four, even though they have probably the worst loss out of those three teams to Syracuse. So it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. I think, you know, all three of these teams will have excellent opportunities here down the stretch. Plenty of big time games remaining for all of them. Um, Ohio State has an opportunity, obviously, uh, to play Michigan at the end of the year. They got a Big Ten championship appearance potentially against Wisconsin. Um, Wisconsin has a chance to be a top five or six team by the time that game rolls around. Oklahoma obviously has games against Oklahoma State. They got a matchup against TCU, of of course, looming as well. Um, And Clemson, you know, looking at their schedule, of course, a big game this weekend against NC State. Maybe a softer schedule remaining compared to the two teams I just mentioned. But if they win the ACC championship against a Virginia Tech, who would have one loss going into that game, or or maybe you know maybe two, but most likely one loss going into that game, or an undefeated Miami potentially, I you know I it's going to be tough to leave a uh, Clemson team out with their only loss being to Syracuse with their quarterback out of the game. I mean I'm sorry if you have one loss at that point, I think you're probably in. So. You know, we we think we know how this is going to turn out. The reality of this whole thing is everybody's going to lose. Somebody is going to drop one that we're not expected. It happens every year. There's going to be chaos. Nothing ever works out how we think it's going to work out. So it's just going to be interesting to see, you know, who, what team ends up dropping a game and completely changing the entire um, landscape of this college football playoff. And November is going to be a really exciting month for football. I mean, this is where all the pressure begins to mount teams start playing not to lose instead of to win and that's when we start seeing upsets so what we're going to find out this weekend starting with you know potentially Notre Dame maybe Virginia Tech or Miami you know teams within the ACC who begins to press as the pressure begins to mount because the team that starts pressing is most likely the one that's going to get upset even if it's not this weekend it could be in the weeks to come so it'll be a really exciting uh next couple of weeks here uh, for the ACC and college football as a whole, Mike, I think it's worth mentioning that on some level, these you know these first round of college football playoff rankings are just they're kind of a moot point. I mean, it's not it's almost not worth talking about on some level because sure. history tells us that these will change so drastically by the time we get a month from now. Um, there's a lot of really important games that all of these teams will be playing here over the next month uh, that will really shape what the final rankings look like and and define who is going to go to the playoff and who's not. Um, so if, if you don't like the rankings, how they are right now, it's kind of like the weather in Georgia. Just give it a couple of weeks and uh, it'll, it'll be very, very different. And also uh, get over it because it's, you know, <laughs> it's just rankings and it's beginning in November. So who cares really? But yeah, you're right. Yeah. And speaking of dealing with it, uh, the other thing that's worth noting is that these rankings, it, look, I get that your team has not lost yet. They have no losses and they are ranked behind teams that have lost. That is okay. If this was all about how many games your team has lost, there's no reason for a damn committee, Mike. Yeah, see, my whole thing is like Miami Miami fans, not all of them, but some felt slight. Who's talking we're, about we're, Miami fans, Let's Mike. just talk about, about Miami, Miami fans, fans now because, you know, that's what I do. 
Miami fans felt slighted because they were at number 10 and they were behind Wisconsin, who doesn't have any good wins, and they were behind some one-loss teams. Look, if you're a Miami fan, you shouldn't care about where you're ranked because if you win out, you're in. Who cares? Like, win this weekend, beat Notre Dame next weekend, go to the ACC championship game, see how you play against Clemson, and then see where you shake out in the end. Miami is the one team in this whole thing that completely controls their own destiny. If they beat Virginia Tech, Notre Dame, and then beat Clemson in the ACC championship game, they're in the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. They're in. So who cares? Mm-hmm. Uh, congratulations. You're, not, you're number 10 in the first ranking of the year. But nobody, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, you shouldn't even really care about that ranking at all. They're the one team in the entire country that completely controls their own destiny with this thing. Um, you can make the argument, I guess, for Notre Dame as well. But, you know, Notre Dame and Miami go head-to-head next weekend. So we're going to learn a lot about both teams then as well. So if you're a Miami fan, be cool with this, man. You're number 10. That's fine. You're undefeated. Keep winning. And this will all take care of itself. Mike, this is what in the, in the business they call a transition. Uh, speaking of Miami just needing to get a win, number 13, Virginia Tech, a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road at the number 10 Miami Hurricanes at 8 p.m. on the ABC Network. Miami, you got to get a win. You better start this weekend. Uh, Saturday night under the brightest of lights, you're at home. They're wearing the black jerseys, Mike. They were supposed to wear them like a few weeks ago against Georgia Tech, but that got moved from a Thursday night to a Saturday afternoon. Black jerseys don't have as much of an impact, I guess, in the afternoon as they do in the evening. So uh, look out, Virginia Tech, for that. Uh, Mike, the Hokies lower ranked, and they are straight up favored on the road here against Miami. I think this is a uh, this is a a tribute or so, no, there's some there's some other word for it. But in any case, this is this could be attributed, we'll say, to what we've seen from Miami in recent weeks, which has been. What we've discussed is very unconvincing top 10 team play. Uh, they come off of a five-point squeaker win to North Carolina in their third-team quarterback. Uh, they previously had a, what, like an eight-point win against Syracuse when they had a big turnover margin and really should have just blown the doors off of them. Uh, Miami hasn't won a game by more than one score since they beat Duke, what feels like several years ago at this point. Um like this is so this is Miami's real test. Look, Miami, you haven't lost yet. You're seven and zero. You you rank ten. You feel disrespected by that. Hey, like we've had more points at the end of every game, so we're a great team. All right. Well, here's a here's a challenge. Here's probably the biggest challenge you've had all year so far. Uh, Virginia Tech probably better than Georgia Tech. Probably better than Florida State. Better than you know Duke, Syracuse. I don't care. This is the best team that Miami will have played this so far this year. Virginia Tech comes in, um, I I think very quietly, one of the better teams in the country. Yeah, they're ranked 13th, but there has been almost no hype around them. Uh, they open the season with a win over West Virginia. About a month later, they take a two-touchdown loss to Clemson. Other than that, they've been pretty quietly just, you know, beating the tar out of people, uh, winning each game by double digits along the way. Uh, the games against Delaware, Eastern Carolina, Old Dominion, Boston College, UNC, and Duke. And that's not exactly a murderer's row, Mike, but good teams take games against not-so-good teams, and they blow them out. Uh, that's what Virginia Tech's been doing. Um, I have concerns about Virginia Tech's offense in this game, and really I think that both offenses will be outplayed and outclassed by both defenses here. But And, and I realize that there's a little bit of a biased opinion here, 
I mean, I don't think it's crazy that Virginia Tech should be favored in this game. Uh, they've been the more consistent football team. Yes, consistency. Uh, I think consistency is why Virginia Tech is favored in this game. Um, I think Miami fans, to a degree, will understand that. You know, Virginia Tech's been the more consistent team. That's why they're favored even on the road. Um, you know, going into Hard Rock Stadium in Miami is not exactly an imposing venue for an away team, right? Um, going into a road atmosphere, it's not like going to Lane Stadium. It's not like going to Death Valley and playing Clemson. Um, they, now, don't get me wrong. I mean, Miami will show up for this game, right? Their team will show up. Their fans will show up. This is the biggest game Miami's played all season. They got two huge games in a row. They have this game. Then they have Notre Dame next Saturday. So two huge home games here coming up for Miami. Uh, The Hurricanes have won their last four games by 18 total points, Joey. So this is not a situation where Miami's been dominant by any stretch. Um, You know, I think the one criticism about both Virginia Tech and Miami is that they haven't exactly played the toughest schedules in the world, which I think is a fair criticism. Um, A, because the Coastal Division this year hasn't been that good, and B, because neither team really has a tough out-of-conference schedule. Um, You can actually argue that Miami's out-of-conference schedule is tougher than Virginia Tech's because Notre Dame is a lot better than West Virginia at this point. But, you know, to this point... um, it's really going to come down to which team is able to establish more consistency on the offensive side of the football. Um, Virginia Tech's second in this country in scoring defense in 11. They only allow 11 and a half points per game. Uh, take that for what it's worth considering the opponents they have played, but it's 11 and a half points per game and they gave up a ton of points in the opener to West Virginia and over 500 yards of offense. Uh, West Virginia, obviously with one of the better offenses in the country. Uh, Miami has faced a similar offense to West Virginia in Toledo. Um, They gave up over 30 points in that game. So Miami has an opponent that plays a very similar style that they have competed against already this season and won. Virginia Tech has looked good against bad teams. Miami has looked okay against bad teams. It's been kind of a mixed bag. Obviously, the one outlier for Miami being that North Carolina game last Saturday where they struggled to beat third-string quarterback Nathan Elliott in that football game. It didn't go well for the Hurricanes there. They ended up, you know, barely pulling out a win. But, you know, Miami fans, I think, came out of that game wondering why they didn't beat North Carolina more convincingly. Might have been a little bit of a look-ahead spot, but really the Hurricanes have been kind of playing with fire here for the last few weeks. Um, Virginia Tech's been more consistent. They're third nationally in the country in third-down defense. Joey, you and I were talking about this before we hit record. Hokies only allowing third down conversions at a 24% clip this year. Miami is 118th in the country on third down conversions as an offense. There are 130 teams in the FBS. So there are only 12 teams in the country that are worse on third down than Miami. That could be something to watch in this football game, especially if Virginia Tech gets Miami into third and long situations. Can the Hurricanes convert those into first downs and keep drives alive against the Virginia Tech defense? That's what I'll be most interested in seeing in this football game. Uh, It's very easy to look at this game and see how the Hokies have played against the opponents on their schedule the last month, see how Miami's played against their opponents in the last month, and say Virginia Tech's been more consistent, they've been beating down bad opponents, 
Virginia Tech just two weeks ago blew the doors off of North Carolina, scoring more than 50 points in doing so. Um, North, uh, Miami just beat North Carolina by five this past Saturday. So, you know, you look at that common opponent, and you're saying, oh, Virginia Tech's a much better team. Miami has all the talent in the world. It hasn't been a talent thing for them all year. So it's been a consistency thing. The coaching has been fine, but they haven't been able to execute at the level that I think a lot of their fans would like for them to be executing at. Hurricanes are undefeated heading into this football game. I think they suffer their first loss of the season here. I think Virginia Tech wins this football game by about a touchdown. I think it's a close game, but I think the Hoagies are able to control the line of scrimmage in this one. Um, I think they'll slow down Travis Homer to a degree where Malik Rozier is going to have to make plays in the passing game. He's been very inconsistent, hot and cold all year long throwing the football. I think Virginia Tech forces a couple turnovers and wins this game. Miami's defense should play well. Again, Virginia Tech's offense, there's plenty of reason to have concern about them going into this game against a very good Miami defense, but I think the great equalizer at the end of the day is that Virginia Tech has not turned the football over to the degree that a lot of Miami's opponents have turned the football over this year. The Hurricanes have done a great job forcing turnovers. We highlighted that in our recap pod they're the best team in the ACC and turnover differential they lead the conference in that department but Virginia Tech does a great job at taking care of the football I think that's the difference in this game on the road I think Virginia Tech wins a very very close game here but I do think they win and cover I Mike I, I I think I agree I don't think this is a very um this is not a very high scoring game. This is not a very wide margin game. I think this is probably within seven to 10 points at most. Um, I would kind of predict it to be less. I do think Virginia tech covers here. One of the things that I I look to is uh, we, and we talked about this again uh, on the week nine recap is Travis Homer as Miami's bell cow back. I'm looking here at uh, really, you could look at the last five games that he's played in and, and, now, granted, the first two against Duke and Florida State, he had a total of six carries, three in each. So it's not really relevant. But the point is, the last five games that Travis Homer has played, his average yards per carry has declined in each game. Uh, Duke, he averaged 14.3 per carry. Florida State, 9.7. Georgia Tech, 8.5. Syracuse, 4.8. And North Carolina, 2.5. The last three games in particular, he had 20, 20, and 16 carries after Mark Walton was lost for the year against Florida State. I think you could almost say that the defenses have gotten worse every week, but Travis Homer has not really gotten any better. Um, He's actually gotten worse at the same time. I don't know how Miami is going to consistently move the ball uh, if if they're not getting a lot of the run game. Uh, We don't have a lot of reason to to trust Malik Rozier at this point. He's been very, very hot and cold. Uh, Virginia Tech's defense, I think, is going to be very, very opportunistic. Um, and, and they're going to force him to make mistakes and take advantage of those mistakes. Now, other side of the ball, Virginia Tech's offense has not been uh, lighting the world on fire. And I don't, I don't think that they're going to come in here and score 30 points in this game. Um, I do think that this whole game will be a defensive struggle. And in particular, I think Virginia Tech is going to struggle and suffer from their uh, inability to run the ball. Um, that said, I think I trust Josh Jackson a little more than I trust Malik Rozier at this point. Um, I, I trust Justin Fuente's coaching and, and getting some easier throws for Josh Jackson and, and uh, kind of mixing up the play calling to, to get something going. 
I, I think points are going to come at a premium here, Mike. But at the end of the day, I think I trust Virginia Tech more than I trust Miami right now. Um, we have not seen a lot of consistency or a lot of very much of anything impressive from Miami over the last couple of weeks. Um, they, they win on a, a lucky bounce against Georgia Tech. They kind of survive against Syracuse and North Carolina. That's not the kind of team that is going to beat Virginia Tech um, with the way that the Hokies have been playing for most of this year. So I'm with you. Give me Virginia Tech to win and cover here. I don't think it's a very high-scoring game. Uh, but at the very least, the Hokies cover two and a half. And um, in particular, I really like the under in this game. I think this is a very low-scoring game. And um, give me the under there for sure. Yeah, the over-under, I, I don't know if we've mentioned it. Over-under in this game is 50. So uh, unless you think that this game is going to get into the mid to high 20s with both teams, i definitely take the under. And I'm with you on this one. I think it's definitely low-scoring. I think the offenses will have trouble getting on track here in this football game. Um, but I'm going to roll with the more consistent football team. Um, I think Miami's ceiling is higher from a talent perspective, just with the athletes they've recruited. Um, you know, Virginia Tech's done a better job the last couple of years of trying to get to the level of recruiting that a team like Miami or Clemson or Florida State has gotten to over the years. But the more consistent football team right now is Virginia Tech, so I'll roll with them. That's kind of where I'm at. The more consistent football team, I think, wins this football game. I'm with you. Give me the Hokies. Mike, that's one huge game in the ACC this week, and we got another one that's also on ABC leading up to that at 3.30 p.m. as the number four Clemson Tigers on the road against the number 20 NC State Wolfpack. NC State ranked for the first time in the college football playoff rankings uh, since they were started back in 2014. Um, they are coming off of a, uh, a bit of a tough loss to Notre Dame. Uh, three touchdowns. It was deflating. Naeem Hines was injured in that game. That said, he should be a full go in this game, Mike. Uh, Naeem Hines should be good to go for the NC State offense here against Clemson on Saturday. Uh, the Tigers coming off of a pretty convincing win over Georgia Tech as a bounce back from their previous loss to Syracuse. Um, but the same thing, you know, we've been saying about Clemson this year. The offense is not quite what it was uh, about a year ago in the last really couple of years under Deshaun Watson. Uh, the defense continues to be really impressive. And so the question here, Mike, becomes can the defense hold down NC State enough to, uh, to, to kind of get the win here on the road in a hostile environment in Carter-Finley and Raleigh? Um, or can NC State bounce back from a tough loss to Notre Dame? And uh, really – I, worth mentioning here, Mike, Virginia Tech-Miami could be a de facto Coastal Division Championship game. This game could be a de facto Atlantic Division Championship game. Uh, whoever wins here probably wins the division goes to Charlotte. So the question becomes, who's who's going to be representing the Atlantic here in about a month when we uh, watch this game on in early December? Yeah. Um, yeah, this, this is a tough one. I, I think it's very important that NC State now has Naheem Hines playing. Um, if he's out, I'm not sure how NC State competes in this game. I mean, we saw the difference last weekend against Notre Dame. As soon as Naheem Hines left the game, all semblance of a rushing attack for NC State just went completely out the window. It was a Ryan Finley show. Of course, he threw a pick six, and they really struggled to move the ball really the rest of the game after Naheem Hines left. Now, some of that is attributed to Notre Dame and their pass rush. Some of it is the ability for Notre Dame to stop the run. Uh, Reggie Gillespie came in, didn't get a ton going on the ground. And Notre Dame's defense did an excellent job in that football game. 
but NC State's ceiling as an offense is much higher when they have Naheem Hines. Their rushing attack is on another level compared to when he's out of the game, as most starters and backups go in the ACC. Um, when you move from Hines to Gillespie, it's just a different rushing attack. Um, so having Naheem Hines as a full go is really important for NC State. The fact they're at home is also really important. But looking at Clemson last weekend in that game against Georgia Tech, Joey, um, and you can attest to this, you know, as somebody who watched this thing start to finish, I was, of course, at the Virginia Tech-Duke game. Um, Clemson is a different football team when Kelly Bryant is healthy and playing well. And I think the one thing that was apparent coming out of the game last weekend between Clemson and Georgia Tech is that Kelly Bryant was healthy. Uh, wet track, runs for almost 70 yards, throws for over 200. He looked healthy for the first time in a long, long time. That bye week came at a really good time for Clemson. I think Clemson, I'm of the belief that Clemson is the second best team in the country. Um, I've thought that for a while. When Kelly Bryant's healthy, um, uh, there's really only one team, I believe, and this is my opinion, that can beat them, and that's Alabama. Um, I think Clemson defensively is way too strong on all levels. I think offensively they have a different dimension. With Kelly Bryant in the backfield, you have his threat, his ability to run. It opens things up for Travis Etienne, Tavian Feaster, uh, C.J. Fuller, all those running backs they have. Um, and Kelly Bryant has done a pretty good job this year throwing the football. His running, his, his ability to run and the threat that he brings with his legs has opened up the passing game for him. And Clemson's a different team when he's in the game because the passing game opens up. Um, because of that, I'm going to take Clemson here. I believe they're 8 to 8.5 point favors, depending on where you'd look. It's a tough line. They're on the road. I, NC State's a very tough place to go in and play. I think NC State's going to come out and have something to prove. Obviously, the Atlantic Division title's on the line. This is a huge game for the program, and they also want to prove that, you know, this season is not like an aberration. Like, they're not just going to be defined by a bad loss to Notre Dame, or I I use bad loss loosely. Uh, Notre Dame's a really good football team, but they don't want to be defined by, you know, going to South Bend and getting blown out and then following that up with a blowout, against Clem blowout loss to Clemson. So I think NC State plays Clemson tough. I'm going to take the Tigers to win. I'm struggling. I'm struggling with the line a little bit. Eight points is about right. I think I'll take NC State to cover at home. I think it'll be a very competitive football game, but I think in the end, Clemson is just too much, both with Kelly Bryant's ability to affect the run and the passing game, and I think the Tigers' defense will get after NC State a bit as well as the game wears on. I'm with you on this line. I, I don't know really what to do with it. Um, I'm, I'm a little, I, you know, I can kind of take it or leave it, you know, going either direction. Um, Mike, do you know what happened a month ago for NC State? Um, a month ago. What happened to NC State a month ago? Uh, they beat Louisville on a Thursday night by two touchdowns. That's already been a month. Uh, it has been, yeah. It's, life comes at you fast. Uh, Mike, do you know what the circumstance around that game was? Uh, they played against a running quarterback. They played against a running quarterback, but more importantly, Mike, they played under a full moon. The Wolfpack oh. beat Louisville under a full moon. Big game. They played really well. It all happened. Mike, you know what? You know what happens a month after a full moon? Is there another full moon, Joey? There is another full moon, Mike. The Wolfpack under another full moon. They're going to be out. They're going to be howling, getting after it this weekend against at, Clemson. At 3.30 in the afternoon? At 3.30 in the afternoon, 
yeah, so we're losing a little bit of the effect here. But the point is, uh, there's also a mobile quarterback here. Uh, and yet, I think Clemson's a whole lot better than Louisville. So I don't know that I think that there's going to be a repeat performance. That said, uh, NC State damn near beat Clemson last year. They, they had Clemson beat, Mike. They missed a field goal at the gun to send it to overtime. The, the field goal would have won the game. Um, and, and they end up losing in Death Valley. They come back this year. I don't know that. I think that was better team than last year. Yeah, NC State's better than they were last year. Clemson's probably not quite as good as they were last year, but I think that was also in that pre-pit loss time last year, where Clemson was uh, kind of, you know, just kind of half-assing their way through pulling their schedule, kind of pulling a Miami a little bit. Mike, um, they were just sort of, you know meandering through and, and kind of getting it done without really a great sense of focus or dominance. And it was the pit pit win that really, you know, they turned it on and uh, ended up winning the national title from there. Um, I don't know if I see the same thing happening here, Mike. Clem- First of all, Clemson's already post loss. Just throw that in there. I don't know what that's worth, but um, NC state, there's got to be a little bit of a letdown here to a certain degree coming off a three touchdown loss to Notre Dame. That's pretty deflating. Um, I wonder if Clemson saw something on film that really got NC state exposed. Um, this Clemson defense is outstanding in the exact same way that Notre Dame's is. And I'm not sure that I could say that NC state has seen a, another defense, you know, obviously Notre Dame and Clemson in the same elite category right now. Outside of that, I'm not sure who the best defense that NC State's played has been. Uh, probably Florida State when they played them back in September. But South Carolina, Marshall, Furman, Florida State, Syracuse, Louisville, and Pittsburgh do not have a, uh, not a dominant. Not advertising. No, that's not a dominant set of defenses. So I think I'm with you. I think Clemson is going to win this game. Hell, I'm going to take the Tigers to cover. Um Cover eight. I don't feel great about that. I think it's probably in the 10 to 13 point range. Um, I think Clemson's going to start turning it on. I, I do have a couple of health concerns about NC State, Naeem Hines. Um, I wonder about their offensive line's ability to block Clemson's front seven and, and therefore their ability to score points. So I'm going to stick with the Tigers here. I'm going to go with Clemson to cover. I don't feel great about it. Um, would not recommend um, – would not recommend betting this game if you can avoid it. This is a pretty dangerous spot, and it could kind of go any number of directions. I mean, I could see anything from, like, a 20-point Clemson win to, like, a NC State outright win by 10. I mean, th- th- and that kind of swing is just, you know, you probably want to stay away from this one. Is that fair, Mike? Yeah, it's totally fair. I'm going to definitely stay away from this game, uh, betting-wise. Uh, because I could see Clemson covering uh, for the podcast. I picked NC State to cover. I have no idea what happens here, so take that with a grain of salt. I think Clemson wins the game. I'm pretty confident they do that. But uh, as far as you know, who covers the eight point spread? I can't tell you with any sort of level of confidence. Usually, I have a decent gauge of these things. I have no idea what's going to happen here. Now you picked NC State to cover. I have picked Clemson to cover. We would be remiss if we did not remind the listeners that I am now batting 500 on the year on my picks. I'm 33-33-2. You, on the other hand, are just putting money in the bank at 39-27-2. So if we're both kind of unsure on what's going to happen, people are probably safer following you in here more than anything. 
Moving on, Mike, 3.30 p.m. on the NBC Network, the Wake Forest Steeman Deacons on the road in South Bend against the freshly branded number three Notre Dame Fighting Irish. The Irish a 14-point home favorite here, uh, fresh off a big win over NC State. After that, they were fresh off a big win over uh, their rival USC. Is it time, Mike, for a letdown for the Fighting Irish to the point that at least the Deeks can cover two touchdowns? Let me answer that question with another question. Last weekend, Notre Dame played NC State. Do you remember what NC State was ranked against the Rush? Uh, I do not, but I think it was fairly like decent, like some, maybe like in the 30s or 40s. NC State was sixth in the country against the Rush. Is that good? That's very good. You mm. know what Notre Dame's offense was ranked rushing the football going into last weekend's game, Joey? Like number two, maybe? That would be sixth, also sixth. So mm. there you go. Uh, Notre Dame is sixth in the country in rushing offense after they ran right over NC State last weekend. Notre Dame's offense looked pretty good, didn't they, Joey? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, when you go for 300-plus yards on the ground, that's uh, that's usually a, good, uh, a sure sign of a good time. And that was against the sixth-ranked rushing defense in the FBS. Have any idea what Wake Forest is ranked against the rush? Uh, not quite 6th, but let's go, like, 17th. I'm going to go 17th. This may surprise you, Joey. They're 89th in the country against oh, the God. Rush. 89th. I um, mean, they've, they've played Georgia Tech, so that kind of sinks the rushing defense a little bit. But the point stands. 89th in the country against the run, Joey. Hmm. Notre Dame. Big here. Big. By a lot. A lot of points. They're going to win by more than 14. <laughs> no letdown, in other words. No letdown this week. Yeah, I think, yeah, I can get with that. Is that fair? Um, no, totally fair, totally fair. Um, I, I think I agree. That's a, that's a good point. You have won me over. Um, not that I was really thinking of anything different beforehand, but um, I think it's worth noting. So, A, yes, Notre Dame is going to run the ball very effectively. I, I think if nothing else... Wake Forest, the success that they have is not because that they have just a ton of talent on the field. It's more that they have an acceptable level of talent that's very well coached and it is in you know very effective schemes. Is that fair? That's fair. I, th- I actually think Dave Clawson is one of the best coaches in the ACC. Yeah, from a pure coaching development deployment kind of standpoint, um, you know, I there's not a whole lot better in the in the league than Wake Forest. Um, they get a lot out of what they what they get, and they, they don't get nearly as much as a Notre Dame or a Clemson or something else would. So, but the thing is that when you when you rely so much on coaching and and um, and scheme, when you go up against a team like Notre Dame that can just beat the hell out of you physically, there's not a whole lot you can do. I mean, you see this with I think Georgia Tech is another example of this. They aren't they aren't just you know bursting at the seams with four and five star recruits, and a lot of times they can get away with that, except when they run up against you know your your Clemson team that has is bursting at the seams with four and five star recruits, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. You know you're kind of left without a lot of answers, um, and so I think I'm with you on this one. I think Notre Dame might win this one pretty easily going away. Um, give me the Irish here, like. Uh, let's go like 34 to 10, maybe. 
I'm not sure that Wake's going to have a whole lot of a whole lot of an easy time uh, moving the ball on offense. You know, against Notre Dame's defense, um, I, I don't know they're going to have a whole lot of luck stopping Notre Dame's rushing attack. Um, I, 14 is a lot, but there's a reason it is what it is. This is not a slight on Wake Forest as much as you know. I I just really believe in Notre Dame at this point, Mike, and that's maybe a dangerous place to be in life, but. Uh, at the very least, you know, I, I, I trust that they're going to be able to continue their role that they're on. I, I, I have a sneaking suspicion that I think Notre Dame is going to finish the drill and get into the playoff. I think that, I mean, I've said this multiple times. I mean, this is the best team that Brian Kelly has had in South Bend uh, since he's been there. There's just a different feel with this Notre Dame team. Like, Notre Dame teams in the past would have a game against like a BC or a Wake Forest or Duke or like insert random team here. And, you know, maybe they have a letdown against Navy in a few weeks. Who knows? But this Notre Dame team feels a lot different. They feel like they're more physically imposing at the line of scrimmage. They move you. The offensive line's fantastic. They have a great rushing attack defensively they get after you both against the run and against the pass they put a lot of pressure on opposing quarterbacks this team is just built to be a dominant type um, of presence both on the offensive and defensive side of the football and this just a very different feel with this Notre Dame team than in years past um, which is why I really have trouble seeing Wake Forest compete in this football game I, I think they'll play hard but I think at the end of the day, Notre Dame's got too much talent on both sides of the football, and I think that ends up being the difference in the 14-point spread, which is why I think Notre Dame covers here. I wouldn't be shocked if, if Wake Forest did cover, though. Um, I think Wake Forest has been surprisingly good at a couple of points this year, so, I mean, you could see that again. But again, I mean, picking Notre Dame to cover here, I say it for me, I think I'd probably say it for you, too. This is not a slight on Wake Forest. It's more just a... Uh, a straight-up compliment to Notre Dame. I think the Irish are, are really, really good this year, Mike. Uh, anything else before we move on? No, I'm all set with that one. All right, let's do it. 3 o'clock on the ACC Network. I think it's on, like, regional sports networks or whatever. So uh, check your local listings. My Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, a 10-point road favorite at the Virginia Cavaliers. Uh, I, I don't know what to think of this one, Mike. So first of all, the forecast in this game, calling for rain because Georgia Tech is not allowed to play on you know, dry land at this point. Um, they're playing in, in various levels of like bog and swamp and marsh and rainy, nasty, hurricane-level conditions. It's, it's really becoming pretty irritating. Uh, rain's supposed to pick up about an hour before kickoff because that's how things work when Georgia Tech's on the field this year. Um, the, the Yellow Jackets have been pretty consistent. They, they're at four and three. And if you look at that record, it's not very convincing, but at the same time, you look at the context of those losses, they lost by one point to probably the best game that Tennessee played all year. They lost by one point on a bad bounce to Miami and they lost by two touchdowns now to the defending national champs that they've just not looked good at all against, you know, for a couple of years, Georgia tech has not gotten beat by a team that should not have beat them this year, uh, at least in any sort of convincing fashion. And yet, like, what I don't know what Virginia is, Mike. We've seen varying degrees of Virginia this year. It's kind of been 50 shades of Mendenhall up there in Charlottesville of, like, on any given week, maybe they're, like, 
surprisingly really good on offense and, and, you know, pretty solid on defense. And some weeks they're just kind of completely and totally useless. And like, I don't know what to think of Virginia. The last couple weeks they've been pretty bad. Should I expect them to just continue this run of mediocrity that they started last week, Mike? Is that, is that what I should think coming into this game? Yeah, this is, this is a really tough one. Um, not because I don't think Georgia Tech's a better team. I do. Um, but when talking about like a 10 point spread here for Georgia Tech, um, like Virginia played good football for like a better part of like a month and a half. Now it was against weaker competition, but now Virginia has just, I don't want to even say like regress to the mean. They've like crashed back to earth the last three weeks and they're not doing anything right on either side of the football. Like Kurt Benkert is turning the football over more than he has in you know, the first month and a half of the year. Um, he's been a little bit less efficient throwing the football. The running game has not been quite as good with Jordan Ellis. The defense hasn't played quite as well either. Uh, Georgia Tech is playing pretty good football. I mean, they are. They're, you know, two one-point losses. They lose to the defending national champs in a freaking monsoon last week. Um, I don't think it matters what the weather was in that game. You know, Clemson's a much better football team, but Georgia Tech's in the spot where, like, their ability to dominate the line of scrimmage against most teams they play on their schedule ultimately wins out, uh, especially against a Virginia team, which we still really don't know a whole lot about. Uh, in order for Virginia to make a bowl game, they got to win a game like this one this weekend against Georgia Tech. I mean, obviously, the last four games are pretty tough for the Cavaliers, but you know, I just don't see Virginia winning this football game. You know, I think Georgia Tech's too well coached. I think they have too much talent. I think their running game's too good. Taquan Marshall's been great all year. Um, you know, Georgia Tech's lost a couple of close games, but you can't put it on Taquan Marshall. I mean, he was pretty much the sole reason why they were in the game against Tennessee in the opener. Uh, he had an unbelievable game there. He was really solid against Miami a few weeks ago in a narrow loss. He was good again last weekend against Clemson, even though they pretty much suffocated Georgia Tech at the line of scrimmage. Taquan Marshall is the difference. Um, without him, I'm not sure what Georgia Tech is this year. You know, I think defensively they've kind of been up and down. I think offensively, you know, Marshall brings that team to another level. Uh, I think he's the difference in this football game on Saturday against Virginia. I think Georgia Tech wins this game and covers. Um, I think Virginia keeps it pretty close, but I like Georgia Tech here by two touchdowns on the road. I, one of the things that I should probably mention, Mike, is that Charlottesville has traditionally been a just total black hole for Georgia Tech. Um, Paul Johnson, I, for what it's worth, Paul Johnson was the first coach at Georgia Tech to win in Charlottesville since they won the national title in 1990. They went the better part of two decades without a win there, and not against like really convincingly good Virginia teams, but just because... I don't know. Charlottesville is a weird place to play or something. And even then, Paul Johnson's had, you know, in the Paul Johnson era, Georgia Tech has had some some weirdness go on there. Um, now, one of the things I think is worth mentioning, too, though, is that Georgia Tech's offensive line in this game is pretty much healthy. Uh, they have not really been fully healthy in about a month now, but they should have a pretty solid depth of guys to rotate in and out. Um, they've been playing with kind of a, a, a thrown-together group here, especially over the last couple of weeks. Uh, this week, they should be all pretty much healthy, with the exception of Andrew Marshall, who was out for the year to begin with. Um, so I, I think that bodes well for the Yellow Jackets. Coming off a loss, uh, I think that they, they will refocus. 
Uh, one of the things that Paul Johnson always harps to his teams is that good teams don't lose two games in a row. Um, so I think that they'll get that done. Now, I think this game might look a little bit like last year's game did, which was not pretty. Um, Georgia Tech's offense on a play-to-play basis was struggling in general. Uh, Virginia's defense was pretty solid, pretty suffocating, but uh, Georgia Tech able to pull off enough big plays to win the game by two touchdowns at home. I think you're probably going to get some a little more of the same there. Um, they're not going to totally be able to run it up here, I don't think, but... And even in the spirit of Charlottesville being a tough place to play, I still think Georgia Tech is a solid team and probably getting it's probably a better team than a lot of people want to give them credit for. There's a reason that they're a 10-point road favorite here in a, in a division game. The, if I have a concern, it's them looking ahead to the following week's game against Virginia Tech, but I just don't think that that's going to be as much of an issue as it, as it could be, especially coming off a loss to Clemson. So I'm with you. Give me Georgia Tech to win and cover here. Uh, give me the Jackets. Uh, we'll go 31 to 13, uh, and they uh, they cover by several points there. Um, probably not all that close, and, and I think Georgia Tech's defense might rebound in a pretty nice way in this game. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um you know, I, I think Virginia is in this spot where, like, this is almost a must-win game because they're at home and because they've had so much success, as you mentioned, against Georgia Tech in, in this spot, just playing home games against Paul Johnson-led teams. But, you know, I think Georgia Tech's just too talented at the end of the day, and I think they get the job done here on Saturday. Totally fair, Mike. Let's move on. Last games the uh, at 12.20 p.m. on the ACC Network, the Syracuse Orange – Oh, on, no. Do we have to? Oh, oh, we do, Mike. And, and there's there's a reason that we do. Let's start here. Syracuse on the road at the Florida State Seminoles. Mike, the Knolls are still laying points. They have not covered a spread yet this year. They are 2-5. and five. They're pretty clearly quitting. And they are laying damn near a touchdown in this game. I don't know how they are still favored, Mike. I don't I don't understand. And And I want to point this out. In the spirit of me trying to get right on these picks a little bit, I, I've been too creative in recent weeks, picking underdogs in places where I was probably reaching a little bit. I have so far tonight, I've picked four favorites in four games. Game five, I'm not doing the same. I told you I am done with Florida State. I think Florida State's done with this season. Six points at home? Nah. I think the Orange are going to come in here and win the thing outright. Syracuse on the road, gets it done against a sorry-ass, tired-quitting Florida State team. Give me Syracuse outright here, Mike. Give it to me. We're getting saucy. (laughs) Getting saucy. Getting saucy at 12.20 p.m. on the ACC Network, aren't we? (laughs) Uh, As saucy as you can get between two unranked teams on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, Yeah, Syracuse wins. Of course, this will be the one weekend Florida State covers the spread, right? This will be the one weekend. Because we yeah. neither of us have picked Florida State. Um, they haven't covered a spread all year, to your point. Uh, they're not any good. Oh, you know what the one thing that's really bothering me? I don't know if you saw this, this little tidbit of news. Florida State is allegedly trying to reschedule their game against UL Monroe. Did you hear mm-hmm. about that? In an I effort did. to potentially become bowl eligible and extend their streak. How sorry is that? Uh, it's, I think it's predictable, at least. It's predictable. It's easy for us to sit here and make fun of them, though. Like, I almost want them, because of how bad they've been all year, I almost want them to 
reschedule the game and then lose. That would be fantastic. That's like a book end. That that's just a fantastic end to such a crappy, crappy story that has been Florida State season. I would love to see that happen at this point. I mean, if you're going to that end to ensure that you make a bowl game because you're two and five at the beginning of November with a preseason top three team. Man, they have fallen so far from grace. It's unbelievable. And it just so far goes beyond DeAndre Francois and his injury. They've had issues across the board this year. Defense is inconsistent. Offensive line's bad. Running game's inconsistent. Passing game's awful. It's it's a mess there in Tallahassee. But I think it's super sad that they're trying to reschedule the UL Monroe game in an effort to make last-ditch effort, might I add. Uh, effort to make a bad bowl game. I mean, where are they going to play? In, like, San Diego County Credit Union Point Setable, one of my favorite bowl games. Like, where are they going to go? That's... Uh, I, mean, I think that they're they're campaigning right now, trying to go to Detroit for the uh, the Quick Lane Independence... or Quick Lane Bowl. Good Lord. Used to be the Little Caesars Pizza Bowl, by the way, Mike. That's... Never forget. Also, the Quick Lane Bowl was wildly entertaining last year with Boston College getting the win there. Yeah, it was. So never count out teams that really shouldn't do anything there. That you know never could turn into an entertaining game. But I mean, here's here's the problem, Mike. Is Florida State needs at minimum three wins to get to bowl eligibility. Now, to be fair, the schedule is kind of weird here. So Syracuse at Clemson, home against Delaware State, at Florida. I was gonna say that I think there's. You know, there's Delaware State's a gimme, so make it three wins. Maybe you beat Syracuse, and that's four. And then I guess the hope is ULM is five, and maybe you find a way to upset Florida for six. Florida's a Florida bit of a mess game. right now. Yeah. yeah. That looks a lot more winnable now that Jim McElwain's no longer the head coach. Yeah, Florida's its own kind of brand of tire fire right now, but um, – I don't know. I mean, you got to keep the streak alive, Mike. Like you said, it's been since '81. That was a good year, and uh, they've been they've been doing it for a long time now. So, um, I guess you do what you t- do what you got to do, you know, whatever. But kind of a weird time at Florida State. You have a feeling that there's going to be some uh, staff changes coming here at the end of the year. So they suck. Uh, yeah, they kind of suck. That's really disappointing for a team that started the year ranked in the top five and justifiably so and. I think it was my pick to win the Atlantic. Was it yours too? Oh yeah, absolutely. I had him as a preseason playoff team, so that's why you don't do those, gang. Like yeah. Exhibit A, Florida State. Well, yeah. When 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 you pick a team to go to the playoff and their their best player and their their star quarterback is done for the year, three quarters into the season, not three quarters of the way through the season, but three quarters into the first game of the season. Yep. The whole it's thing like goes three- on the rails real quick. Yeah, not even at the quarter pole. Speaking of which, you remember my reference to DeAndre Francois, who was, you know, my horse in the race for the ACC Player of the Year, who was euthanized around turn one. Um, throw back to that reference now, because we didn't even get to the quarter pole of the season. Uh, we got through three quarters of a game, which is pretty good. But he's out for the year. Their defense is now bad. Um, Florida State fans have been wanting defensive coordinator Charles Kelly to get fired for a really long time is this the year that Jimbo Fisher shakes that up who knows I think more of their issues reside on the offensive side than the defensive side but 
hey, uh, quarterback whisperer Jimbo Fisher will figure it out, right? Uh, sure he will. He better. Yeah. I mean, he's not – I mean, obviously, he's not going to get <laughs> fired from Florida State. He won national championship a few years ago. They've been competitive pretty much every year since then, and – this is not a matter of Jimbo Fisher getting fired. It's a matter of Jimbo Fisher maybe looking for greener pastures. Like last year when he almost sort of allegedly might have been interested in the LSU job, for example. Yeah, I was going to say Jimbo Fisher's not getting fired, but that doesn't necessarily mean he'll be back next year because he's he is uh, he is the definition of commitment issues right now with the Seminoles. Um, he He has wandering eyes, we'll say, Mike. Yeah, that's fair. And also, I have it on a little insider scoop here. I have it on like pretty decent authority that uh, Justin Fuente received some calls about the LSU job last year. Oh, that's intriguing. And yeah, he essentially didn't even want to take any phone calls. The reason I bring that up is because the Florida job's open. And mm-hmm. Florida is probably a top five to ten job in the country. And Justin Fuente is one guy that hasn't really been talked about all that much that I think could absolutely receive some phone calls from them. And I'm wondering how interested he would be in taking it. My my gut feeling says he's probably not all that interested. He's only in his second year at Virginia Tech. It's not exactly a spot that looks all that intriguing at Florida right this second. You know, you've got to play against an SEC East that has Georgia clicking on all cylinders, especially on defense. The offense at Florida would receive an immediate boost with a guy like Fuente running the show there, but you got to go up against Nick Saban. The SEC is really tough. It would be a complete rebuild. It's a really tough job. You're trying to rebuild a team in the ACC right now and having enough, not trouble, but, you know, um, your hands are full at Virginia Tech trying to get that team to compete against a Clemson a Florida State most years. Miami is obviously really improved. Yeah, so I'm interested to see like the coaching whole coaching carousel thing. How maybe a coach like Justin Fuente coming out of the ACC maybe fits into that mix. Probably a little bit early. Um, three or four years from now, though, if that Florida job were to open up again, or Oklahoma is the one I'm really watching for. If like Lincoln Riley somehow flames out, Fuente went to Oklahoma, played there. It's his alma mater. That's a spot to check out. I'm on Virginia Tech tangent, so I'll let that go. But anyway. I mean, for what it's worth, talking about you go back to the Florida thing is there are some things at Florida that are that are better than coaching at Virginia Tech, but I don't know that they're so much better that they're worth taking on the insane amount of pressure and politics and nonsense and involvement in the SEC's garbage culture of what it is, like the whole thing. I don't I don't think it's really that much of an upgrade to where he would be in that much of a better position as a football coach than he is at Virginia Tech. So I think I think you're probably fine sitting sitting still at Virginia Tech. There's a lot really to work with there and, and I, I think that he's gonna build something really strong long term and I from everything I've heard, um, no insider stuff or anything, but I know uh, Stephen Godfrey over at Espionation has talked a lot about this that Justin Fuente is a really perfect fit with Virginia Tech, and I think that uh, I think that he he likes them. I think they like him, and he likes them. They like him, and I think that he'll be there for a long time, and he'll probably be pretty successful there. They're um, in love. Yeah, absolutely. Mike, we got to talk ACC picks of the week here. Uh, I forget who went first last week. Was it you? 
Uh, I don't know. <laughs> one of us. One of us um, went first, right? Because that's how this thing works. All right. I will, uh, I will be courteous and just assume it was me, and I will let you pick first this week. Uh, what Pretty limited slate here. Not a whole lot of options, but what is your ACC pick of the week? Uh, NT minus 14 against Wake Forest. Hmm. Book it. Interesting. I'll take the Irish. See, I sit here and I think, man, that's a lot of points, Mike. Like, that's pretty risky. And then I look at your track record of like basically nailing all these picks. You're eight and three on picks of the week this year, and that includes a loss last week on Miami that was kind of an unofficial pick, official, unofficial, whatever we want to call it. Uh, we both took the loss on the Miami pick last week. Um, okay, so look, Mike, I I was two and seven. I was down on my luck. I, I was lost i was looking for direction i didn't know where to go and i got right by picking totals the last two weeks i have hit totals and i am on a roll and i'm gonna stay with it give me virginia tech miami under 50 i do not think that's a high scoring game um i I think that the especially there's a you know a chance of weather uh it's miami so that you never know when it's going to start raining and get nasty um, I think both defenses are significantly better than the offenses. I don't think this is a very high-scoring game. I'm not sure it gets really even into the 20s. Um, if one team scores 20, I don't think a second one does. I, I think it's pretty low-scoring. So give me the under 50 in Virginia Tech, Miami, and lock that up, Mike. You're dancing with the one who brung you, as they say. I don't know if I said that saying right, but... That one saying that sounds like that, that's what you're doing with the uh, over-under total picks. So, good for you, buddy. Yes. Continue to get right here. I haven't heard that phrase before, but I'm going to try to use it at work tomorrow and see if people are uh, are taken to it. I think I know what it means. I'm going to try to slip it into a meeting somewhere. We'll see how that goes. I'll, Fair. I'll, re- I'll report back on how, how it goes, and it probably won't go very well. Uh Mike, one more thing we got to do before we get out of here. We got a social media thank you of sorts. Um, uh, yeah, we do. Do you want me to read it? I can read it. I have it pulled up here, Joey. I Just would. So this, so first, for what it's worth, this is um, a bit of an unusual social media shout out. Um, this was a um, an email that we got from the SoundCloud platform, and um, I I was. I was flattered by it, Mike. I'll say that much. I was very flattered, uh, but I'll let you take it away here. Yeah, so a little background. So Joey and I have, obviously, an account with SoundCloud, and you know we upload our tracks to SoundCloud, and then we shoot it out to iTunes and Google Play and all the other platforms that we still have no idea where we're at. Anyway, SoundCloud sends us an email on... Ooh, it's been a little over a week, Joey, already. Here we go. From Malcolm Couch, Joey. Hey, Basketball Conference Podcast. I was just looking through SoundCloud, and I stumbled upon your profile. I gave a listen to a couple of your songs and was really impressed. Hear that, Joey? That's flattering. A couple of your songs. I'm actually a talent recruiter for Next Gen Promotions, and I'd like to get your music more exposure, because we make killer beats, Joey, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. This could be a great chance to grow your following. Send an email, and we'll talk further. Talent at nextgenpromotion.com. So, Joey, I did a little research on that, right? Because obviously it's spam. (laughs) So I did a little research. Um, The first three hits on Google were like, is Next Gen Promotions through SoundCloud real? 
<laughs> is next gen promotions legit? That's what we were dealing with. Like those types of questions were being posed when I typed in next gen promotion SoundCloud on Google, <laughs> which confirms my understanding and my assumption that that was complete spam from um excuse me i forgot his name um malcolm couch uh now in all of your research did you find like a link or an email address or something where we're supposed to send our mixtape whenever we've got it put together oh yeah sorry um i'm not sure if i mentioned it yeah uh talent at nextgenpromotion.com okay so that's that's uh that's where it's at so hit me up on soundcloud as the as your local rapper would say and um, we'll send our music to that email, and we'll see how that works out for us. Um, that was really strange. Yeah. Hey, I'd, by the way, as you, as you guys are looking for your bad reply all emails to send us to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com, um, make sure you CC talent at nextgenpromotion.com because I think that they want to see yes. bad reply all emails yes. as well. Yeah, please, please do that. Um, uh, they want to blow us up with spam, so we're going to rely on our listeners to also blow them up with spam because I think that's the only way to do it. And we're all big one happy family, so why don't we just do that all together? Um, we'll be at one with our listeners. It'll be great. You guys can continue s- to support us, and we'll continue to blow up random BS accounts that email us in the middle of the night like a week ago. So uh, shout out to Malcolm Couch. Uh, thank you for blowing up our email with spam. Much and appreciated. We, and we will return the favor because we are nothing if not public servants, Mike. That's, yeah, something like that. I mean, we've been warning you about Miami all year. Um, that's the least we could do. And now we're warning you about next-gen promotions, which is a complete lie. So they they have something in common with Miami. They're a complete lie. Right? Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, valid assessment. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's a valid assessment until like Saturday at eight because that's when it's on, and we're going to really find out about the Hurricanes. I just want to get a last jab in there, Joey. You know, as a Virginia Tech alum, I tried to be objective this entire podcast. It's a huge game for my Hokies this weekend, so let's go complete subjectivity. Let's go Hokies. Beat Miami. All right. I'm good. My God, I got it all out of my system. It should be mentioned. Your Hokies are America's team of the week. I, that I they totally are forgot always, to throw that in. Joey. Always, Joey. <laughs> well, at least this week. Not next week. Certainly not next week. Yeah, but. okay. Not next week. Fair enough. <laughs> it's the Battle of the Techs next week on the podcast, which we threw out there in our inaugural podcast, if you'll remember. Absolutely. Tecmo, Tecmo Bowl uh, preview coming next week, but we're yep. still, uh, we got some games to watch before then. Uh, Mike, we need to get out of here. This preview has been entirely too long. Um, we are entirely too sleep-deprived. You have been working. I have been watching my city win a World Series. Yeah, buddy. Trying to go to a parade. We'll see how that goes. Trying to skip out on some meetings to make that happen. We'll see. Um, in any case, Mike, this is a huge week of ACC football. Uh, I know that you are planning on sitting at home and absorbing as much as possible on Saturday afternoon. I'm pretty much planning on doing the same. I'm looking forward to seeing what we can find out here. Um, and, and it should be a really fun weekend. So I hope the folks are able to get a chance to watch. Uh, but we do need to get out of here. And in the meantime, you guys can reach us on Twitter. Um, I am at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel ACC. And together we're at BC Podcast ACC. Uh, you can send us an email to the aforementioned longest email address known to man, basketball conference podcast at gmail.com. 
CC talent at nextgenpromotions.com as well. Yes. Yeah. Please carbon copy talent at nextgenpromotions.com with uh, any ACC related questions or bad reply all emails that you would like to send us. We would really appreciate that. Uh, you could find us on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Google Play, on the uh, Overcast app. There's other places that you can or cannot find us, but we cannot confirm or deny where those places are. So at your own risk. Uh, Mike, where else can they find us on the social medias? Facebook.com slash basketball conference. Rate, review, find all of our podcasts there. Rate us on iTunes. Rate us on Google Play, wherever you can do all that stuff. Um, send us reviews. We need more reviews. I know you guys are out there. You guys are rating us. I've seen actually more ratings on iTunes, Joey, so I guess we should mention that. Shout out Hell to everybody yeah. who continues to rate us on iTunes. Um, we really appreciate those five-star ratings. Um, more reviews would be awesome, too. I mean, I'm not, you know, beggars can't be choosers, right? But, you know, we'd take a couple more reviews. And also, yeah, our tw- uh, Twitter is going to be a bloodbath this weekend, so definitely mm-hmm. make sure you follow us, like Joey mentioned. Um, that's... It's going to get very interesting, especially on Saturday night when my Hokies are playing Miami, that's for sure. Let those good times roll, Mike. Bring the fire. Those Miami fans love you. Always. Always. They better win. That's all I can say. They better win. Mike, they're America's team of the week. They have to win, right? Yeah, and by they better win, I'm saying Miami better win, or it's (laughs) going to be hell for their fans on Twitter. So just a fair word of warning to everybody. It's, It's all objectivity here. I've have I still haven't said anything that hasn't been true. So just keep that in mind. Man, it is on. This should be a really fun weekend, Mike. Let's get out of here. Enjoy the games. Good luck to your Hokies. And uh, we will come back and recap these games later in the weekend. All right? Yeah, sounds good, buddy. All right, we'll talk then. Until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. Enjoy week 10. We'll talk to you later. And until then, go ACC. Go ACC.